So this week, I had the opportunity, as Justin said, to go to Boston um, with him, and that was an amazing time um, just to get to see a historic city, um, and um, I was really just taking it all in, and he preached, as he said, at the commencement ceremony at North Point Bible College. Well, the night before that, we walked along the campus of North Point Bible College, and uh, we were able to see the dorms and see uh, where the students would have their classes, and um, just, it was really neat to to take it all in. It's a very historic campus. And um, as we were walking, we came across a sign that said, I rise that I may serve a leader in education for 197 years. It was here that Bradford Academy Junior College and College made its home on 71 acres of campus land until the year 2000. I also saw that the school was founded in 1803. Uh, so I love the history and I, um, of the campus there. Now North Point, if you're familiar with Hobby Lobby, uh, their owner is a Christian and he purchased this campus that Bradford College was on for North Point Bible College to, uh, to take. And um, and so that was a, a big purchase, and uh, it's a beautiful campus. Uh, I love history. So as I was seeing this sign, I got really curious, and I started to do a little of my own research, and I discovered some notable alumni from Bradford College that would have attended, uh, they would have attended classes at Bradford College, which is now North Point. A lady by the name of Anne Hasseltine, you might not know who that is, um, but she was a school teacher from Bradford, Massachusetts. Anne was one of the first female American foreign missionaries. Anne attended Bradford College, then met and married a man named, who you might know as Adoniram, I'm gonna say it right, Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary they went and served. Uh, if there's biographies uh, about their lives, and they did a, a great work in Myanmar. And so they went to the mission field after they got married. They served in India for a short time and then Myanmar. Anne did evangelistic work, adopted orphan girls, and educated children. And the, Judson, the Judson's missionary work entailed translating the Bible and Anne herself translated the books of Jonah and Daniel into Burmese for the first time. And um, she also, let me get this right. Um, she also translated the Gospel of Matthew into Thai. And uh, if you know uh, anything about us, we served in Thailand for 10 years. So this was an amazing piece of history to me um, to learn this as we walked along the campus of North Point. And so um, what, I pre what, I, what I felt, what I appreciated in that moment at North Point Bible College was just thinking about how they're continuing to pour into the next generation. And so we can have more Ann Judsons out there uh, preaching God's word. And 
They understand the need to pass the baton to the next generation. This is something that, that we need to grasp as a church as a whole, not just here, but in general. Um, so what does it mean to pass on the baton? To bestow one's responsibility or job upon someone else is the literal translation. Um, it's an allusion to a relay race. If you've ever been in a relay race or watched the Olympics, uh, you'll see, you know, they, it's important for them to run and pass the baton and not drop it, right? So they run, and, and each time they run one segment of the relay race, they grab the baton and move on to the next segment, and they keep passing the baton. Well, this could be symbolically for us generations, right? Um, so... It's important for us to, to do the same in our church. And we can pass on faith to the next generation by following guidelines provided in God's word in Deuteronomy 6. We're, we're typically right now, we would be in First Peter, um, and we're verse by verse, but today's a little different. It's Mother's Day, so they have me up here. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they wanted you guys to get out before noon. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. He said, you have 45 minutes. I said, I think I'm going to be done before then. <laughs> but um, anyway, so open up to Deuteronomy 6, and um, we're going to look at our first truth uh, that we can, we can use to pass on faith to the next generation. Um, so if you open up to Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So the first truth that I want to bring is we must love God genuinely. Amen. Um, so this prayer is known as the Shema in um, the Jewish people um, some of you have Jewish heritage here, and you, and you know, uh, hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the Shema. This is a prayer that is central to the Jewish faith, and, um, and it's an important prayer to the Jewish people and recited often to remind the Jewish people that there is only one God. The Lord is one. Immediately following, we jump into verses 5 and 6. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Pastor Skip Heidzik out of Albuquerque put it this way. How do you command someone to love, right? If love is a noun, that's not possible, right? You can't command someone to love someone. But God does command us in his word. He commands us to love him. And, and so you need to look at this word love as a verb, right? So we need to, um, when you are making a vow to love someone, when you get married, we are also committing that same kind of love that God, that God um, is asking from us. We're committing we're, we are saying a vow, to death do us part. We are, we are um, making a vow before the Lord, right? 
um, sickness and in health. And it's not a fickle kind of love. So this is the kind of love that God is asking from us for him. Um, more importantly, do you remember when the Pharisees and the Sadducees approached Jesus in Matthew 22? And it's throughout uh, the, the Gospels. It talks about when they came and they tried to trick Jesus and they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So we love God wholeheartedly. Having these commandments on our hearts, this means we are not insincere or shifting in the way we conduct our lives. And listen, if you get nothing else from uh, this message today, please walk away with this in your heart. This is central to our walk with the Lord. How can we have relationship and true communion with the Lord without loving him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our might? Do not desire anything less than this for you, for your family, for your church, for your community, but it starts right here. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us as individuals. God is speaking directly to your heart with this verse. He wants your heart and he wants it genuinely. If we are to make an impact whatsoever on the next generation, we must first have this amazing gift that God gives us for ourselves, right? Amen. And even as I was preparing for this today, I took a moment and I just got on my knees and I prayed and I said, let this be so. Lord, can this be so for me, for my family? We wanna love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. It has to be genuine, it has to be sincere, right? Um, our children can see right through something that's not real, right? Um, yeah, they are honest. <laughs> in some of my education classes that I took, I learned about a tool in teaching called modeling. Basically, students observe the teacher model or teach through an example, and then students refer to the, instruct uh, the instructor's model and attempt to mimic or reproduce what they observed. I see this in my kids. They watch us so closely. On this trip to Boston, Liam went with us because he just could not stay away from us. <laughs> he, he wanted to come. He was crying the night before, so I buckled, <laughs> and he came with us. <laughs> um, so at, at one point on this trip, I set my bag down against this chair, and I just thought it was interesting because he had his bag somewhere else, and um, he went and grabbed his little backpack and put his little backpack right next to mine, exactly how I had put mine there, and mimicked exactly what I did with his little backpack. They do this all the time, though. They do this as they observe our lives. We're a model of faith to them, right? They're watching us. They're observing us. Um, and so it has to be real. We have to love God truly and genuinely. Um, the second truth that I'm going to talk about today is to pass on faith to the next generation, we must impart guidance relationally, right? They, um, 
they desire that from us, right? Our children uh, need, they, they're very relational. And so I'm gonna dig into verse seven and it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I really love this verse because it just depicts normal day-to-day routines in life. We're living life with our kids and God is giving us a clear direction to teach them diligently, it says, and to walk life with them, to do these things, to talk of them when you sit in your house, on your couch, when you walk by the way, or when you drive in your car, some of my best deep theological conversations have happened while my children ride in the back seat of my car and out of nowhere ask me a question that catches me off guard. And we're doing life. We're, we're relational. We're, we have to impart guidance as we go about life with them. And I love just how practical that verse is. Um, the world is diligently teaching our children. Yeah, and that's, that's a hard pill for me to swallow as a mom in this time, right? Um, they're, teaching, uh, they're teaching our children as they watch their favorite TV shows on social media, um, as they play a video game, The world wants our kids and they want them at a very young age to follow its standards. In the age of social media, TikTok, Instagram, our children face so much social pressure. Their lives are on display and the world is telling them how to look, how to act, how to think. And I have some very alarming um, statistics here, but According to studies conducted by Barna Research and Covenant Eyes, in this digital age, the average age of children viewing pornography is 11 years old. Some children have viewed it as young as five years old. Um, These are your children, your grandchildren. We need to pour into them. I talk to teachers uh, in public schools. I talk to... um, them about what is being taught and the world wants our kids the the health system wants to take the parent completely out you know Um, the world wants our kids and the Bible talks about teaching our children diligently doing life with them and as we do life sharing God's word with them This is day in and day out. We have to be aware of our families um, and be proactive in their daily lives. This is relational business. Some, um, so um, I'm gonna dig into verse eight. Uh, It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now reading this, to, like, in this present time, when I read this, I thought, what in the world is a frontlet? I don't know what that is. So I had to do some research, and 
I knew it had, this had to mean something in this time. So a frontlet is something worn on your head. Um, Jewish men wear a frontlet, otherwise known as a phylactery or teflon in Hebrew. This is a small box containing verses from the first books of the Bible, including the passage that we're talking about today. Um, and they were worn by observant Jewish men each weekday morning during prayer. And where it says in verse 8, bind them as a sign on your hand, they literally would put also that same small box, they would attach it to their hand by leather straps. And why did they do this? Um, this was used during prayer, and it was to serve as a reminder of God and a reminder to follow Jewish law. Jews take this very literally. God is telling us in this passage to remember him and to not forget him and his word. Um, how could you forget something that's actually tied to your forehead, <laughs> right? So um, as I read this, as a frontlet between your eyes, I'm thinking God wants the word to be that present with us that we don't forget about it as we go through our life, that it's so present with us that it's as if it was a box attached to our forehead. You could not forget that, right? Um, so that's what he's talking about here. Um, and so God's word should be ingrained in us. Uh, verse nine, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, this is another Jewish tradition called mezuzah. They put scripture in a small capsule on their doorposts, including this passage, because uh, it has the Shema, which is, we talked about how that's central to their faith, right? Um, so they put, they put uh, scripture in little capsules on their doorposts, and in devout Jewish homes, you can find these throughout the entire house. Um, some, something that I found interesting was on children's doorposts or door frames, they put the small capsules containing scripture at eye level with a child so they will see it often. Um, this spoke to me because they, they want God's word to be present even to their children. As they walk in and out of their room, they'll see this reminder of who they are in Christ. Sometimes this verse makes me think of Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I could get lost in Hobby Lobby. I love that store. Um, and something that I love in that store is the verses that I can put all around my house to serve as a reminder to my family that we are God's and that he is with us. Um, and my third truth that I want to talk about today is to pass on faith to the next generation, we must share our testimony transparently. Verse 20 says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning, or sorry, yeah, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? I like this verse because it reminds me of kids in general. What is a three-year-old's favorite phrase? Why? Why? Kids ask hilarious questions, and here are some real questions that kids have asked. Daddy, why do you have a beard under your arms? 
What did it feel like on your last day of being a child? Why don't crabs have eyebrows? Why can't I see my eyes? Why is the moon called the moon? <laughs> In this verse, I imagine kids asking, what's the point of all of this? Why do we wear a frontlet? Why do we put the word on our doorposts? Why do we go to church? Why do we do communion? Why do we set the standard for our lives to live by God's word? Why do we love the Lord? And God tells us what to say to them. He says, when they ask, tell them, we were slaves, but the Lord brought us out. In verse 21, then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out, of the, out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. This next generation needs to hear your story. They need to hear our personal testimony. Why does this mean anything to us? Why is our faith genuine? Why, what's the point? They want to know why. They don't want just something out there that's rules that they have to follow. They wanna know why. They want your testimony. Um, God has made, um, so he want, they want to know why and how God has freed us from the bondage of, of our slavery, of our sins, right? <clears throat> and don't tune me out if you don't have children um, that are young or don't have grandchildren or don't have children at all because the church needs you we need to be pouring into the future and Judsons that are going to be going to Myanmar, to different parts of, of the world, or, or that are going to be preaching the gospel right there in their school. Um, they need your testimony. So uh, your testimony is valuable. I'm going to share some statistics on the top five reasons church dropouts say they stopped attending church. And this, these are statistics by LifeWay, and they've conducted research among young adults, 23 to 30, who attended a Protestant church regularly for at least a year in high school. 34% said, I moved to college and stopped attending church. 32% said, church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. 29% said, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. 25% said, I disagreed with the church's stance on political, social issues. 24% said, my work responsibilities prevented me from attending. We have to, 
influence our children at a young age. And if you don't have young children, God wants you to be a voice to this next generation. I'm pointing over here to our, our kids. I'm thinking of our kids that are over there right now um, in kids' church and, and our youth that are sitting in here with us today. And North Point, as we bring students in to teach them God's word, be an encouragement. Share your story. In my darkest moments in my life, the greatest influence that was on me was always when someone came along and shared their story of how they went through and got to the other side. It was always encouraging to know that this isn't all there is. I can get through this. This person got through this. I can get through this. Your testimony is valuable to the church and it's valuable to your own kids. So to apply the truths of Deuteronomy 6 to our lives, we must be unswerving in our genuine love for the Lord, relational in our approach to speaking truth into the lives of the next generation, and transparent in telling the story about the difference Christ has made for us. Um, as we finish, as we close this service today, I just want to pray with you um, and invite the worship team. I think they're already coming on up here, but um, I'd like you to close your eyes and, and just reflect for a moment and ask God um, to just bring you through this passage. The first verse that we spoke about, love the Lord your God with all your heart, do I, do I, do I love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all of my mind, all of my strength and all of me, holding nothing back? It's what our kids need and this next generation needs. They need to see it modeled. They need to see it in us first. So if this is you, I just want your eyes closed, but I do want you to raise your hand. If you need a new touch from God, if you need to rededicate a part of your life, if there's anything that you're holding back from God, give it to him today. That's the best gift that you can give your family. There's so many stresses in this world. But if you get this thing right, you're gonna get everything else right. So I'm speaking to the, the moms and the dads right now. As you lead your home, commit your heart to God. You can pray with me um, if you'd like. Jesus, I dedicate my life to you once again today, God. My life is yours. I pray that I would be a good role model to my children. Lord God, that, that they would see you in me and that whenever I fail, that they would see a heart of repentance because that's what it means to love you. Lord, I just pray that you would be with um, each person, each family represented in this room, children, grandchildren represented 
by the people in these seats, Lord God. Maybe spiritual sons and daughters. If you don't have children of your own, the church still needs you to pour into the next generation. God, let it be real and let it be genuine and life-changing, Lord God. We need you, Lord Jesus. We don't need to come up with anything. We just need you, Lord Jesus. It's simple. That's what I love about your word. It's so simple, and we just need to apply it to our lives. Thank you, Lord. Let it be like a frontlet. Lord Jesus, like something that we can't get away from, that your word is always there reminding us of the way, the way to you, Lord God. Lead our homes, lead our families, and let us have a genuine and transparent relationship with you and with our children enough that we can lead them spiritually, Lord. We ask these things in the name of